Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Unsweetened Podcast, your inside look in the unfiltered, unbottled, brutally honest conversations that all women should be having. I'm Tara. And I'm Elena. And we are the Unsweetened Duo. Today, we are joined by Kate. Kate, say hello. Hi. (laughs) Go ahead and introduce yourself. Let's let our listeners get get to know a little bit about you. We're super excited for this topic that we're going to be discussing today. So first off, I want to say thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to share your knowledge and expertise with our listeners. Sure, sure. Thanks so much for having me. So my name's Kate. I am professionally a licensed clinical social worker, certified eating disorder specialist, and registered yoga teacher. So I work with a variety of clients in private practice, all ages, children, teens, adults, older adults, um, and then kind of similarly, you know, work with all ages and um, whatnot in the yoga studio too. Yes. Awesome. And you're coming to us from the East coast. Yes. Pennsylvania, right? Chester County, Pennsylvania. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if anyone's our... listening from that area. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, this is our first time doing like a zoom by coastal. So yes. this is exciting. It's another, you know, achievement in the unsweetened realm, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wanted to kick Mental Health Awareness Month off with another mental health related topic. A lot of people have written in at different times and told us that they wanted to talk about anxiety. And it's something that both Elena and myself have experienced in the recent, uh, the recent past, the present, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and so we thought it would be a great opportunity to bring that up um, so we can begin this conversation for the month of May and obviously long beyond the end of the month. Um, but before we get into all of that, Elena, what is your flavor of the week? What's been going on? Yeah, I have been feeling really good recently. And I think with a lot of like mindfulness and gratitude, I have been like been in a really optimistic mindset and I feel like I'm about to hit this like next stage of life. One like very awesome. milestone like You're about to turn 30, 30. So. Right. Um, but also I just feel like I feel good. I have things that are happening over the summer that I'm looking forward to, like celebrations. And I just feel a lot more grounded and like centered than I did a few weeks ago. So, um, I don't know if I have like a physical flavor of the week, but just, I feel like my whole mindset in the past couple weeks with like life and work and everything else is in a really good place. And I get to go home. So I'm actually going to be in Delaware County (laughs) in like two weeks. Um, and I see, I'm going to like physically see and be with like my mom and like some of my family for the first time in a year and a half. So I think there's just like a lot of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. You? Um, let's see what's been going on. Same old normal stuff, just raising a puppy and trying to not pull my hair out. Um, she's lucky she's adorable because she's a lot of work sometimes for some reason, you know, she's like a hundred times cuter when she's sleeping and not trying to destroy everything. Um, she, she's mostly a pretty good girl though. So she's really smart. She's picking up on things, but at the end of the day, I mean, she's still a three month old puppy. So there's only so much you can really expect of. Her. She's a baby, but she's so cute. Exactly. 
Oh my God, I know. I'm obsessed with this little shit. But so I do have a physical flavor of the week and it's like a super pet mom situation. Hold on. Let me pull it off my finger. So I got this ring on Etsy. Oh it God, I is, yes, like this custom cute little ring. Aww. It's got like two dots and two cats and their first initial. I mentioned last episode that it spells hawk. Um, and so cute. Yeah. So now I just wear this ring at all times and it's got like a little, a little homage to my babies, which you also mentioned last episode that you're going to get a hawk tattoo. Where are we at with that? I know. I haven't had the time yet. I haven't had the time, but it's going to happen. I want it still. It's like, I, the problem is that I like, I know if I make an appointment, I'm going to, it's going to be like months out and I don't want to do that. But so I'm like, when can I spontaneously go get a tattoo at yeah. one of the places on the strip or something. So maybe this weekend we'll see. Mm. Kate, do you have a flavor of the week? Do you want to tell us about how your week's been? What's going on in your life? Um, well, you know, I, I try to like follow my own advice and like ground myself and focus on the positives. But if I'm being honest, my car has been giving me the most the, the, the biggest headache. I'm so annoyed at my car and it's a Jeep and I'm so upset because Tara, you understand how much we love our Jeeps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It that's breaks my heart for you. Yeah. It's been a nightmare the past month. It's been in the shop three times, three times in four weeks. God. So outside of that, being stuck in my home because I don't have a car, I guess my flavor of the week would be my new chiminea. But I have like, I've just been outside. I'm on the porch, making a fire in the chimney, breathing in the fresh air, and just trying to enjoy the peace in that moment. And not that sounds amazing. <laughs> what I did recently? Car. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I got a fire pit, like a, a propane one, because in Vegas and the surrounding area, like between usually like right after July 1st, you're not allowed to have wood fires because right. it, it's obviously a forest fire hazard. Um, so I did get a, a propane fire pit to take camping and whatnot, but I have it on my little balcony. I haven't used it yet, but this reminds me and like makes, makes me remember like, Oh yeah, I got this for multiple reasons. One of which was to be able to enjoy here. And so I need to get that thing set up and running. Do it. It's awesome. What were you saying? Sorry. I was just saying, I feel like with cars, like it's, either everything is perfect or it's like nine things at one time. Yeah. Like you drop your car off for something stupid and they're like, Oh, and your battery died. And I said, excuse me. It was fine when I got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Seriously. So just to give you guys some background, Kate and I actually went to college together. We were in the same sorority together. So that's how we know each other. Just a little FYI. Um, it's been a while since we've connect it's been I don't know when did we work together a couple months ago for yeah. your yoga studio right mm-hmm. I bought um, the studio in October so we probably worked together like end of September okay cool so it's been it's been some time since we've really been able to catch up but again we're so excited to have you here thanks again for taking the time to do this I want to just kind of start off with a baseline anxiety is something that I think has been kind of questionable as far as people don't necessarily know what it is, but it's like a hot button term that's just overused. It's 
everywhere. But like, do people really know what it is? I don't know. Like once I finally realized what anxiety actually was, I realized that I pretty much had it my entire life. Like I was always like, no, I don't have that. Blah blah blah. And then once I learned more about it, I was like, oh shit, I literally have this every single day. <laughs> so would you mind giving us some background info there? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Anxiety is like, oh, there's so many different types of anxiety. Right. And you kind of said it just now of there's like the difference between this anxiety that everyone talks about. And it's sort of like almost trendy in a way. Yeah. Be struggling with anxiety. Like, oh my God, I'm so anxious or I have anxiety. Anxiety, but it it really goes a lot deeper than that, um, and it can present in so many different ways, which you know we can kind of get into a, a little bit later, maybe. But I think the biggest thing to think about is just the difference between everyday anxiety, normal anxiety that serves a purpose, and clinical anxiety. Um, so just like even from there, thinking about the way I define it is thinking about intensity and frequency. Right. So how much is it actually impacting your day to day life? So more clinical anxiety is going to be things that interfere with your daily life, your daily activities, getting out of bed, taking care of yourself, doing things on your to do list. Um, It's really hard to control and it's typically out of proportion to the actual event or, or feelings of danger or uncertainty. Um, it can also last a really long time and be really chronic and cause like significant behavior changes. So that's really like the clinical anxiety versus just the nervousness and the fear and the uncertainty that some of us might feel in normal day-to-day experiences. Situational anxiety versus chronic anxiety. I have an exam. I have a presentation at work. I Mm -hmm. am anxious about this new relationship compared to um, anxiety, which doesn't always have like a purpose, like feeling Mm -hmm. chronic anxiety just and not having something to pinpoint back to it. Is that like a nice synopsis? Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about like, So, you know, being a yoga teacher, I'll sometimes give people the example of relating it to stress in the body. So Tara, with your fitness background too, you might, you know, understand this and, and do, but I talk about like healthy stress in the body versus unhealthy stress in the body, Mm. right? So that we, we know working out, going for walks, putting some amount of stress on our physical body is healthy and Mm -hmm. it makes us grow. It makes us stronger. It progresses us. It it keeps us moving forward. Whereas if we have too much stress or unhealthy stress, we're doing a move improperly or working out too hard or pushing our body to the limits, then that actually ends up causing us more harm than good. And so it's the same with anxiety. You know, there's going to be certain things like you just said, Elena, like a a test, a new relationship, something that we're afraid about. and, And that amount of anxiety is normal and it's not going to have any adverse effect on us, but it's when it gets more intense, more frequent, more frequent, more out of control that it becomes a longer term problem. I think sometimes people don't understand anxiety and the way that you just worded it of like comparing it to physical stress and like physical exertion, like connects so many dots. Cause I think mm-hmm. there's 
a little bit of our generation, a little bit maybe of our like parent generation. That's like, why are you anxious? Like you don't have that. That's not real. But when you put it in like overexertion of your body mentally or physically, it's so much easier for me already to like define that and actually see it and be able to understand it a little bit better. Yeah, that was such a good example. Thank you. I think that that's really going to help everyone connect the dots in a way that they may not have ever before because it's such an it's such an example that's everyone knows what that's like because everyone's worked out once or twice in their life, you know, minimum. So <laughs> everyone knows what it's like to be sore Uh-oh. the next day and to have those feelings um, of overuse and stress. Perfect. So I I love TikTok and this seems random and not anxiety related, but one, it's calming. But two, I end up with these like mental health TikToks that like end up on my feed of like, oh, if you are right now in this moment, have like your tongue pressed to the top of your mouth, you're anxious right now. Like, are there obvious like physical, um, things that like showcase anxiety that would be helpful to be aware of? Sure. Sure. Um, Things like that on TikTok can be misleading, right? Because it's also just like, okay, sure. Everybody might experience anxiety at some point. My tongue might be pressed up against the roof of my mouth. But again, is it that chronic, really life-altering anxiety? Or am I just like tense and not thinking about the position of my tongue in my mouth, you know? So the, the most common signs of anxiety are things like heart racing, really fast heartbeat, difficulty breathing, muscle tension. Maybe you feel like your throat closing up, uh, stomach aches, but even more chronic symptoms like fatigue, trouble sleeping, uh, chronic muscle tension, like in your neck, shoulders, headaches, um, you know, more in the moment signs of sweating, feeling weak. So there are a lot of somatic signs. Um, now there is a difference technically, I won't get too like deep in the weeds of the DSM, which is the diagnostic statistical manual that we use in psychology, but there is a difference between somatic symptoms or the things that you feel in your body when it comes to anxiety versus panic and like a panic Mm. disorder or a panic attack. So again, some people might feel some somatic signs in their body and some people may not. And that's totally normal. And that's why it's such a spectrum of symptoms when it comes to anxiety. So something kind of stuck out to me, you talked about how like you might just be tense Mm -hmm. if you're using the example of like holding your tongue up to your mouth, whatever, uh, whatever that may be. when it comes to like tension, obviously it can come from a number of different causes, right? Like you could just be, and I think this goes back to your difference again, where you're saying like, it could just be you're nervous about something or like, I have a problem where like, I don't breathe regularly, which is super (laughs) weird, but, um, like, I'll just be sitting, like, I'll be sitting on the couch, like working, doing nothing. And all of a sudden I'll sigh. And if someone else is there, they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, talking about, I'm literally just sitting here. So it's like, just, I guess it's kind of the same thing where it's like something where you're just not being aware of like what's happening in your body. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things, you know, 
Elena, you said TikTok. Like I, I love TikTok. I spend hours on TikTok, sure. But a lot of these kind of mental health TikToks can be so misleading um, because, you know, if one thing resonates with a person, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're going to self-diagnose. It's yeah. like the TikTok web new article. <laughs> right, right. And, and sure, that might be helpful. And maybe you do have signs and symptoms of anxiety, but really to, to have it be this like chronic damaging anxiety, you know, in the DSM, it's like, typically there's some kind of threshold, right? Like you must meet four or more of these symptoms in this period of time for it to actually be classified as anxiety. So having moments where you're not aware of your posture and your body and you're clenching your jaw, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have anxiety, but it is something to be, you know, mindful of, you know, even coming at it from like the yoga side, of course, we want to be mindful of the tension in our body and how that affects us. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, going back to, I guess, the difference between chronic versus just like situational mm-hmm. anxiety. What, I guess, you're saying the threshold's like having four symptoms, but what's something kind of like more tangible that people can say, like, okay, like, obviously, if I'm moving from house to house, there's some anxiety that's going to be associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps sometimes it does kind of debilitate a little bit where it's like, okay, I am i can't sleep tonight. I have a lot to do, which is normal. Whereas, yeah. or versus the difference between what's normal and expected. Like, mm-hmm. if you're grieving, I'm sure you're going to have anxiety with it. Like, that, it, that's normal. Whereas... Sometimes it's just, I guess, chronic all the time. What's like, how can someone say, okay, this is the, this is normal anxiety because I'm going through something versus this might actually be an issue that I need to look into? Sure. Yeah. I think first and foremost, it's asking yourself intensity and frequency, right? Does this match? a scenario. Does this feel like it could be an understandably normal response to this situation that I am in? Could somebody else feel as intensely as anxious as I am feeling if they were in this situation? Thinking also about frequency. Is it happening once in a while when these things happen? Or is it this constant, I wake up with it, I go to bed with it, it's their present route all of the day. Um, but even more specifically, thinking about if it's interfering with our work, are we, are we unable to complete work assignments and deadlines, you know, whether that's for a job or homework or something else? Is it impacting our relationships? Am I starting to change my behavior, like avoiding certain things, whether that's, you know, going to an event or having a conversation? Um, is it significantly distressing? Like, am I crying? Are my thoughts all over the place? Am I unable to refocus myself? Um, you know, even things like, am I turning to other coping skills that might not be the best for me? Am I, am I increasing my alcohol or drug use? Am I having more negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts, or self-harming behaviors? Those are all definitive signs for concern that maybe this is something more significant. 
Okay, good. I'm glad to kind of have something there to designate what the differences might be and help people understand when it might be time for them to seek the help of a professional and when it's actually something that could be really dangerous for them. Mm -hmm. Sure. Now, I always like to think that, I mean, because women you know, tend to overthink things. Are, are, is there any sort of group of people who might be more susceptible to anxiety? I mean, it's probably not true that like, I'm sure men overthink things just as much as women do, but it's more like talked about that, you know, women are crazy, blah, 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 blah. Um, does that, are there actually groups of people that statistically have higher anxiety or are more susceptible to it? Mm -hmm. So I think you kind of just named it right there is that, you know, there's some research out there that looks at differences in anxiety and, and diagnose, diagnosing anxiety in the genders. Um, it's, it's comparable, you know, like I, I was looking up one study just recently and it was like the ratio of males having anxiety versus females having anxiety was like, one to 1.7 in males versus one to 1.79 in females. So it's like, it's the research may vary end of the, you know, end of the day, it's comparable. But what you said, Tara, in the fact that it's more common for women to talk about it. So chances are they are going to reach out for help more. They're going to talk about it more. And then that's going to lead to more, you know, diagnosing of anxiety in women. Um, not only do they tend to talk about it more and get help more, there's also sort of that they're, they're finding that it's more of like an, what they call an illness burden in women of it, it kind of really like doubles down on us of not only are we struggling with this, but then we beat ourselves up for struggling. Yeah. So that, um, also may kind of skew, skew the like results in statistics because not only do women experience it, but they have that illness burden. And then it's going to seem as though it's more significant in women versus Mm -hmm. men because men may not have that kind of illness burden. Oh, that's so interesting. And if things are self-reported, like there's a, a stigma for women, but there is for men too, of like lock it down. Everything's fine anything, anxiety, depression, full range of, of diagnoses equals weakness. And, and Mm -hmm. we all know that that's not true. Um, and one of the reasons why we have this platform is so we can talk about it, but I mean, the opposite gender obviously needs to be talking about it too. (laughs) Sure. Sure. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and all of this does rely on, on self-report and someone taking this this time to sit mm-hmm. back and, and observe and become aware of how they're feeling and how they're doing and maybe recognize there is a problem, you know, because it, it, it spans even across genders, but, you know, cultures and just how you were raised too. of, you know, what if you were raised thinking that this is the norm, that this right. is just how you feel, mm-hmm. then you're not going to think anything of it. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Obviously there's not tons that we can do to, make men have this conversation, but ladies, if you're listening, have these conversations with the men in your life so that it can start to become more normalized for them to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling really anxious. What, how can I 
yeah, alleviate symptoms or do I need to get help for this? Because mm-hmm. obviously they they need it just as much as we do. If not, I mean, and we don't know, it could be more so because they're not reporting it. So right. open the door, have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about, um, or get your thoughts on like social anxiety and COVID. I personally have never considered myself an anxious person. And now with things starting to open back up and even with, you know, CDC guidelines changing and being thankfully fully vaccinated, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm walking into a world that I almost like don't understand anymore and have like a lot of anxiety about things that I wouldn't have even thought given a second thought to a year and a half ago. Uh, for example, our, my university plans this huge event every fall. It's outside, but it's like 4,000 people like come to this event that gives me anxiety. And then the idea of planning something like sorority recruitment with like 250 people and it's a weekend long. I'm like, should we really be doing this? Like have you in either your social work lens or yoga lens when it comes to mindfulness been seeing people that are also feeling this like new level of anxiety with going back to the world, which we're all craving and we want, but now it's like, I don't know if I'm ready. Yeah, this is so, so common. So even just putting that out there, you know, I know that it may not help, but for for us and anyone listening, like this increase in anxiety of returning to a world post-COVID is so, so common right now. And one thing that I think is going to help us kind of understand how to deal with this is reminding ourselves that anxiety serves a purpose, So I always like taking this time when I work with clients with anxiety to kind of reframe our mindset on what anxiety is and thinking about it as a protective factor, right? It's a protective response. It's a biological response in our mind and body to protect us from harm, from danger, from fear, from uncertainty, from pain, you know, Mm -hmm. it's... And by having this mindset shift of thinking about anxiety as serving a purpose not only does it normalize the experience for us that, you know, this is something natural that happens sometimes, but it gets us into a different mindset of trying to understand where it's coming from and get that need met versus trying to turn it off, stop the anxiety, dull it, ignore it, or, you know, even worse, feeling ashamed or conflicted because we're having anxiety. So like anxiety serves a purpose, Mm -hmm. but the idea is that for a lot of us, it becomes dysregulated. You know, maybe this anxiety comes up or gets escalated too quickly or in an, in a time where it doesn't need to be setting off that alarm for us, but all, all of it serves a purpose. So in terms of COVID returning to a world post COVID, you know, it's thinking about, what is this anxiety trying to tell me? I'm afraid, I'm unsettled, I'm uncertain. I'm uncertain about what's gonna happen. I'm uncertain about trusting you know, these, these guidelines or these people around me. What have they been mm. doing? Where have they been? How is this gonna affect me? So asking, your question, asking yourself the questions of like, what do I need to 
to take care of myself in this moment of feeling unsettled and uncertain and in fear. So what do I need to do to feel more secure or safe? What do I need to do to feel more prepared going out into this world that that is different, but also recognizing, you know, more specifically, what is actually in my control to do mm. in this situation? Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that like self-reflection piece of like, let's take a baby step back and see what Again, I can only control what I bring to the table and what I bring to a situation. If I can check some boxes that are going to help alleviate that, then maybe it'll make me feel more comfortable. That's definitely a component that I was missing when I just like look at my calendar and like all of these things that are about about (laughs) to come up that I'm excited about, but like low level, like, uh, okay, sure. Sure. I've never thought about it like that. I mean, it makes complete sense. Like, anxiety serves a purpose like Mm -hmm. that just like absolute mind blown and that like how have I never thought of this before like little tiny piece of gold that I sure like I mean think about it like this so all of our emotions come from like our old old like reptilian you know mammalian brain of like fight or fight or flight where we're chased by a tiger and if we hear something rustling in the leaves or in a bush we're gonna turn and get anxious because we're like oh shit what's gonna eat me right like this is anxiety this comes from our emotional brain and Mm -hmm. so our emotional brain has not adapted to 2021 (laughs) It, it just hasn't gotten there and so that's what really happens with anxiety that becomes harmful is it's just dysregulated. It's, Mm -hmm. it's firing Mm -hmm. at inappropriate times or at inappropriate levels. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get down to the root of it, of what is it trying to tell me? That's when we're going to actually work towards resolving some of that anxiety. Mm. That's That's so amazing. That's such a good point. Yeah. Our emotional brain has never been to Coachella, so it doesn't understand that this no. group of people is okay and not like an angry mob. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's fascinating. That's so good. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned a little bit about like alleviating symptoms mm-hmm. and I want us, well, you really, to be able to give people like a toolbox, if you will, of some things that they can do when they are feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? I think like, like I have things that work for me. I'm sure Lena has things that work for her. I'm sure most people do, but like, what do you recommend from a professional standpoint? Sure. Well, I would love to hear what you guys do to help with your anxiety, because I think that it's, there's always room for new ideas and it's nice to, to learn about what helps other people, but thinking along the same lines of the fact that this anxiety is coming from our emotional brain. Uh, this is like where I nerd out. I love the brain. If I were to go back to school, I would go back to like study more like neuropsychology because it's just so interesting. But I like to show people this little hand model of the brain. And I realize we're on a podcast and most of us aren't going to be able to see this, but for, we can make a video available. Don't you worry. Yeah. (laughs) So having this hand model of the brain, this is actually from um, a mindfulness expert, Dan Siegel. So I'm not so she's making a fist for those making a fist with her thumb tucked in. If you want to like talk us through what you're doing with your hand, sure. Maybe that'll help. 
Sure. And you can definitely look it up. Like I said, Dan Siegel created this. There's tons of fun little infographics online, but you make a fist with your thumb tucked in. Your thumb that's tucked in represents that deep, deep emotional brain that is not living in 2021. That is just fight or flight. That's where all of our anxiety comes from. The fingers that are folded over thumb, that represents our more advanced brain, our cognitive brain, all of the thinking, logic, problem solving, analyzing, the part of us that knows that the guests at Coachella are not an angry mob. So from the fist, it goes down into our wrist and our wrist and forearm kind of represents our brain stem. Now our brain stem is what controls that somatic response, heartbeat muscle tension, difficulty breathing, shakiness. And so what we can imagine is happening when we are escalated or anxious, this emotional brain, this thumb is firing. It is getting escalated and our fingers lift off and we no longer have that, ah. that logic, that rational thought, that ability to problem solve in the moment. It is just totally disconnected. All that is left is our emotion connected to our body. So that's why a lot of people feel anxiety in their body. Ooh. And it's also why logic doesn't work. <laughs> like right. in the moment, like logic doesn't work. If logic worked, I wouldn't have a job. But how many <laughs> how many times like do you feel anxious? Like I struggle with anxiety myself. So I totally get it when people are like, I know I shouldn't be anxious. I know that it's okay. Or someone's telling you like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. It's like, okay, if that logic worked, we wouldn't be here. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. That's such a good point. <laughs> like, hello. Okay. If it was that easy. Oh, light switch. <laughs> Ray, is that how that works? <laughs> I love that little brain diagram. Oh my God. That's like literally the simplest way that I've ever seen anyone explain yeah. the way that that works. Wow. I just yeah, feel like I was in a Disney Pixar movie, like inside out, like this, this is the next, we got it. The three of us together, how to explain um, the brain. Yeah. But I mean, have you ever heard the saying, okay, this is when I felt side note, I felt really old. Cause I asked the same question to a younger client of mine. And she's like, no, I've never heard that saying before. I was like, Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> but have you heard the saying of like, Oh, he flipped his lid. Like he yeah. just went off. Yeah. Yeah. Our hand model, our oh. fingers are disconnecting. We flip our lid. Logic isn't there. Oh Rational God. thought isn't oh there. We are acting emotionally. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So to really long way of answering your question of what do we do, logic is not going to necessarily be the thing that like helps us in the moment. So we have to think sensory. We have to think grounding. We have to think about taking care of our body, something physical, go for a walk, you know, use like a weighted blanket, take a bath, uh, light a candle, drink, you know, some water, something sensory. Mm. Maybe it's something physical to get that energy out. Or maybe it's something that's a little bit more calming if you're feeling more like on the panic side of things. Mm. Awesome. That's good. Makes I think that's really so helpful. Much sense. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, um, 
some like specific grounding skills can be super easy. Like just going through all of your senses, like things like pointing out things that I can see, hear, touch, smell, taste, um, counting, counting objects in front of you, finding something that's every color of the rainbow, anything that's grounding and, and speaking to your senses is going to be what really helps you in the moment. That's awesome. I think that that's so helpful. I've seen a lot of memes that are talking about like looking for things that you can see here, just like you said. And um, when I was in therapy, one of the things that my therapist like made sure that I did was like think about a certain smell that like brings you back to a calm, happy place. And for me, it's like the coffee brewing in the morning Hmm. because it's like, I make it, I make sure to have this be my me time of the morning. Like I take time to myself before I start my day. Mm -hmm. And there's like this, I mean, obviously the smell that's associated with it for me is coffee because that's what I do pretty much first thing in the morning. I get that Keurig going. Um, and when I'm able to consciously move back to that place that almost like smell the coffee in my brain, it really does help me to reach the mindset that I have in the morning before I let any of my things I need to do that day creep in and make me feel any other sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, going back to that like hand model, right? We, if we are flipped, we, we don't have access to that logic, that reason. We need to focus on emotion and body. That's all That's all we have. So any kind of coping skill that's going to let you process that either through the body, through the senses, or your emotions mm. and process it safely is going to be what really helps. That's awesome. I feel like when I'm anxious, I lean back into some of my favorite songs and things that like put my mind in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um kind of that nostalgia and like a walk with that tends to just like reset. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I like the whole, like removing yourself from the situation, even if it's just briefly to step outside and take a walk or whatnot. Um, I like that too. I do a lot of breathing exercises when I'm feeling anxious, um, coming from a yoga background as well. Like I like the box breathing and different number patterns. Yeah. Um, cause it's like, it gives your brain something else to focus on. Mm. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm sure you use breathing exercises in your studio, but yeah, breathing exercises are great. Um, and, and really, like you said, it's, it's not only the combination, it's the combination of giving our brain something else to focus on and still connecting to that sensory part of ourselves. So like, not only is our mind distracted, but we're actually calming down this flight, fight, or freeze response in our body by breathing. Mm. That's awesome. That's so important. Mm-hmm. I hope that everyone's able to try out some of these suggestions next time that they need to resort to them. And I hope that, I mean, you'll find what works for you, I think, right? Like it's not, and the same things aren't going to work for everybody, but I think if you have a toolbox with a number of different options, and even if something's worked for you before, it might not work in a given situation. Um, So it's always important to have as many things in there Mm. um, ready to pull out when you need it to at any Mm. time. And also just like not being discouraged if something doesn't work, you know, because 
like if the feeling is so intense that we're literally on the verge of panicking or disconnected from logic, like going, breathing for a few seconds may not do it. So it may be a combination of several and it may be doing it over and over and over again. And it may slowly kind of lower the anxiety. It's not like you're just going to breathe and feel better, you yeah. know? So just not being so hard on yourself too, and, and giving yourself time to try different things, do a combination of things. You know, I once worked with a client and he was like, Caitlin, breathing works for like 10 minutes. And then I'm anxious again. I'm like, all right. So then we're going to breathe again. He's like, well, I'd be that 500 times a day. I'm like, okay, then we're doing it 500 <laughs> times a day. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's not just going to be a one and done thing. Mm. Yeah. So would you say that somebody that has a high level chronic anxiety is something that they'll learn how to manage, but may never necessarily like always go away? Like it, it doesn't feel like a linear path when it comes to managing anxiety. Sure. It's sure. not like you have strep throat and then you take medicine and right. it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. And and this is kind of one of these things that I like to challenge our perspective on a little bit too. It's because we don't want anxiety to go away. We don't want it to disappear. It's a protective factor, right? We want it, but we just want it to be helping us. We want it to be doing what it's supposed to. So we want it to become manageable and appropriate. We don't want it to totally disappear because it does serve a function. And so, you know, through therapy, maybe medication and other coping skills, the idea is that we will just get it back to a more healthy, properly functioning level where we can actually begin to trust it rather than fear it or try to change it. Mm -hmm. Or like I said, like dull it and diminish it. Mm. No, that's, that's a perfect way of putting it. That's such a good point. Yeah. Like we, we want it to be there because it, it signals things to us. You know, all of our emotions tell us something it's data. So we want anxiety there. We just want it to be manageable and appropriate. Yeah. That makes complete sense. So much stuff has come up this episode that <laughs> I'm like, I'm like decently like, anxiety literate. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. Like, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. So I've learned so much um, as someone who thought that I had a base knowledge. Um, so I'm sure that everyone listening is taking in a ton of new, wonderfully helpful information as well. So thank you again, Kate. Before we wrap things up and head into um, our final notes, I wanted to just finish up with some suggestions for people so that they're able to, well, we talked a little bit about when to tell the difference between what's normal and when you should seek some help, but kind of what avenues to go through if you do think that your anxiety is something that does require like clinical help, medical attention, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, there's so many resources out there, um, a lot so many so that it might be really overwhelming, which is not going to be helpful with someone struggling with anxiety. Um, so, you know, like the main go-to resources for just kind of like general education and additional resources and support would be either NAMI, and I'm assuming we can put these, we'll notes, put in the notes, like show notes, um, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or 
ADAA, which is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. Um, those are great online resources. Um, but if you're really wanting to like take that next step and, and find a provider, a psychiatrist, a therapist, um, a trusted site would be psychologytoday.com. You can search, you know, based on your zip code and, and your needs and find a provider there. There's also, of course, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we can put the phone number in. It's available 24 hours a day. But even, you know, in times of crisis, if you're feeling unsafe at all, always go to your local ER or call 911 and they will be able to connect you to the appropriate resources. Awesome. Thank you. Those are so important to share. So we'll add all of that into the show notes so that Absolutely. everyone has it readily available. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so, you. You ready to move into the fun part now that we closing out the heavy topic? <laughs> <laughs> so we like Elena's to gonna ask some yeah. rapid fire questions. Oh, Go gosh. ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, so these have nothing related to do with anxiety. Um, we'd like to end every episode when we have a new guest or randomly if we feel like we have updates. Um, it's called final notes. So it's just a few questions. Um, so what is the best piece of unfiltered advice you've ever received? Mm. I, the one that just pops into my head immediately is that it's a saying and it says the wound may not be your fault, but the healing is your responsibility. I love that. I I have said that on multiple occasions. So important. Yeah. And it's from a book, subtle art of not giving a fuck, but it's great. Oh, I didn't know that. I've read that book. I didn't realize it was from that. (laughs) I have to reread that book now. (laughs) Yeah, apparently I need to get back in there. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your favorite flavor or current obsession? Ooh, favorite flavor or current obsession. I would say... Um, I've been really into just making all different kinds of iced coffees recently, whether it's like an iced latte, matcha latte, espresso, anything like that. I am just all about a fancy iced coffee. Nice. Um, what is the tartest lesson that you've lived through? Probably the fact that you really just cannot control what another person does. Mm. Um, I've experienced some pretty significant loss in my life and you always go back and think like, well, what if this, what if that, what, what could have been done there? And it's just, you are, you are so limited in, in really, you know, what you can do over other people. And it's, it's a hard lesson, but it's also kind of freeing. You can free yourself of some of that, that guilt and and those really tough emotions when you kind of come to that understanding. Yeah. The shoulda, woulda, couldas regret when it comes to loss, it can just be so overtaking. You you put it perfectly. Um, what is your bottled up frustration? Bottled up frustration. Oh gosh, I have so many. What one do I want to unpack? (laughs) Which one do you want on the internet? (laughs) What one do I want people to know about? Um, I've said this one before and it, and it still, it still always gets to me when people ask you something that you have to Google that they could have Googled. (gasps) (laughs) Like what's the phone number to that pizza place? 
I, I don't know. <laughs> please, please, yes. 2021, please just Google it. I don't know. I, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree with that more. I supervise like students and mm-hmm. some, and I make it very clear at our first meeting. I'm like, I'm really big in clarifying questions. Do the research, try two times. And then if you can't find something, come back to me because you're going right. to learn something and I'm not going to get a migraine. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh my God. I love that. Um, and then our final question, how do you take your tea? Oh, I take my tea, like, I guess, kind of more English style with a little bit of milk. That's it. That seems to be the trend. Yeah. I have never put milk in tea, I don't think, in my really? entire life. Yeah. I definitely. That's fine. It just feels so watered down without it. You got to, like, thicken it up a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to try it today. I drink tea a lot, so I'll try some today. I'll, I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna take us home. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen. Kate, thank you for a millionth time for joining us today. Um, we hope that you got something from this episode. We're really hopeful that you've taken some tools that you can really use anytime you need to throughout your daily life as you're suffering from either quote unquote normal situational anxiety, or you're able to maybe say, okay, maybe this isn't quite normal and it's time for me to make a decision on what to do next. We really appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Find us on Instagram at unsweetenedpod. No, sorry. Unsweetened podcast. Our email is unsweetenedpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, speaking of which we do have a user question, so we have to get back into that. I forgot. Um, Let's do that before I close out the session. Pulling up the question now coming from one of our listeners. What is a healthy way to stop from anxious spiraling anxious spiraling so i'm assuming this means like anxious thoughts spiraling yeah Uh, i'm thinking like a build-up of like yeah the funnel kind of yeah yeah um so one of my like go-to tools with people um who struggle with anxiety is this idea of control circles super basic i could even send it to you guys if you wanted to put it out there somehow Uh, but it's literally two circles one inside the other and you fill them out you fill in these circles what is inside of my control and what is out of my control Mm -hmm. and typically when we fill that out of any given situation we are going to recognize that all of our anxiety and all of our stress and all of our other emotions like frustration, anger, sadness is living in that outer circle of things that are out of my control. And so to, to stop these, these thoughts of this spiral, trying to literally cover that outer circle, I'll tell patients like cross it out erase it, scribble all over it and focus in on what are some things in your control and try to find some empowerment there to just kind of move through that spiral. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for answering that listener question. Um, Sure. Luck. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that seriously, not facetiously. (laughs) Yeah. Report back. Let us know how that works. If you have any other questions, um, we can always follow up with Kate 
our email again, unsweetenedpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram once again at unsweetenedpodcast. I'm Adventure with Tara. Elena is Picks by Elena. Kate, would you like to share your social media or would you like to remain a little more secretive? The choice is sure. I can I can share. Okay. My my Instagram is Caterade, but I noticed that sometimes people think it's like something totally else, but it's Caterade with two or three E's. I honestly forget, but you can I'll put it, it in. in. Yeah, I can find it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We got this. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Unsweetened. As always, we thank you so very much. Yeah. Bye. We'll see you next time.